Welcome to the Boutique Hotel News podcast. Here we share the latest news, comment and opinion from across the boutique, luxury and lifestyle sectors, along with thought-provoking interviews with industry leaders. My name's Eloise Hansen, news editor at BHN and host of this week's episode. Today I'm speaking to Bashar Wali, founder of This Assembly, about his vision for his people-powered venture the position of independent hotels in a branded market, and what the hotel of tomorrow will look like. Bashar, thank you for joining me today. And I am going to start our conversation by asking you about this assembly. Can you please tell us more about your new venture? I would be happy to, and I'll make it short and sweet. Really, after having been in the industry for a long time, I felt a sense of betrayal to myself and to my people because I felt like I was preaching a lot of things and I tend to be righteous in my preaching. But then when I looked in the mirror, I felt hypocritical because I didn't feel that I was practicing what I preached to the fullest extent because inevitably when you're in companies where you have partners or you have uh, investors, et cetera, you're always, no matter what you think, bound by them. And I wanted the freedom to truly practice what I preach. So I decided to start this assembly. And this assembly, simply put, by by virtue of its name, as you can sort of tell, I've assembled my professional crushes, my people, my mates, and said, let's go off and do what we love to do. And, you know, I'm a big believer in the do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. This isn't work for me. So simply put, this assembly is a company that will do everything hospitality. We know how to own and operate hotels and create and brand them. Uh, it will not be a service provider vis-a-vis consulting, et cetera, but generally it already started a company called Practice Hospitality that provides hotel management. And we are pursuing real estate opportunities to buy hotels. We are working on creating our own lifestyle brand that embodies our philosophies and our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I want to leave the door broadly open to allow us to do other interesting things, right? I've been obviously a big champion of diversity. I wanna think about how can we do the new empty word in our society nowadays is this idea of do well by doing good, Mm -hmm. conscious capitalism. I'm trying to, again, not be hypocritical and truly practice conscious capitalism, lifting people up and celebrating humans along the way. Mm -hmm. And again, sorry, the one sentence then is we are a hotel owner, manager, creator, broadly in that space, that's our focus. Mm -hmm. And so what's your ultimate vision for the business? Uh, My ultimate self-grandizing vision for me is not glory or self-portraits in hotel lobbies. I want a young hotelier 10 years from now, 20 years from now to look back and maybe in passing, find out that I did something useful for our industry. My, my vision for this company is to make money, obviously, but I'm a believer in purpose. Mm-hmm. I think making money is the byproduct of doing good work. But if you walk in and say, I only want to make money, it sort of kills the soul of what you're trying to do. So my goal is to do good work, do well by doing good, lifting people up. And lifting people up, by the way, isn't charity. Lifting guests up who stay in a hotel through inspiration and aspiration, lifting employees up who want to, you know, mm-hmm. get a career, lift, lifting the needy along the way. So not charity, but certainly conscious capitalism. Mm-hmm. And 
from your experience leading Provenance Hotels, what key learnings are you going to be bringing to your new role? So, uh, again, that company was with me and my team really at the helm was was very people centric. Mm. And, you know, we say in our new venture that we're, we're people powered. And, and I can't say that term enough. I mean, you think about hospitality at large. I sort of call foul on the notion that we're in the service industry because service typically is something you can de- you deliver. Mm. And certainly robots can deliver service. Bots, as we see now, can deliver service. I go to my dentist to clean my teeth. They're in the service industry. There's a clear distinction in my mind between service and hospitality. And I say hospitality is how you make people feel. Service is what you deliver. Hospitality is how you make people feel. And to me, invoking emotions in guests is purely a function of human interactions, unequivocally, certainly accentuated with great art and sense and lighting and design and, 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 and. Those are merely accessories, but fundamentally at the heart of it, it really is the idea of creating, invoking emotions in people. So a couple of things I say is, I often joke and say, I, I, if you want me to judge your hotel, I want to walk into your lobby blindfolded and feel the warmth of your hospitality. Hospitality at its heart is a very sort of touchy-feely, emotion-centric thing. We've taken it to the opposite extreme and we've made it about things rather than about emotions. And funny, we're thinking about how do you judge the quality of a hotel on your way out, these surveys. I'm literally thinking about my survey will have one question. How did we make you feel? Because Mm -hmm. a hotel experience should invoke an emotion in you. And if it doesn't, then we failed miserably. And I often say, by the way, you pay, pick, pick a number, 100, 200, 1,000, it doesn't matter. You stay in a hotel. Maybe you steal a couple of towels. But at the end, you've taken nothing home with you but that experience. So my win is if I invoke an emotion in you that compels you to go tell someone about it. Oh my God, you can't believe this hotel I stayed at that did X or did Y or made me feel this way. So I know this is sounding a bit sort of, you know, a bit touchy-feely and therapeutic. Truthfully, that is my belief in our industry. Mm-hmm. Having worked in hotels myself, um, I know what it means about to make someone, um, to respect a guest, to not just deliver the service, but go above and beyond and to make them feel welcomed, to feel happy, feel comfortable. And by the way, it doesn't require you to do anything necessarily. It really is about emotional intelligence. It's making someone feel welcome. Uh, I love uh, Maslow's hierarchy of need uh, Mm -hmm. pyramid. And the idea that humans at the end of the day want self-actualization is at the very top of that pyramid. Yeah, sure, you need water and you need shelter and you need air. But if I can make someone feel special when they walk in the door, and again, people always run for things. They want to give them things and do Mm -hmm. things. It's, it's really, it, it's far simpler than that and far more complicated at the same time because human emotion is such a complex thing. Mm-hmm. But we focus a lot on emotional intelligence. And what that means is don't say what you're going to say to me because your company makes you do it because it's written on some credo card somewhere. Mm-hmm. Engage with me like I want to be engaged with. And if I can teach you how to read people and give them what they want, not what you think they want, win. And by the way, I'm of Middle Eastern heritage. There's a great quote that I tell people was my the impetus, impetus for me going into the industry. And the quote goes something like this. When a stranger shows up at your door, 
feed him for three days before you ask him who he is, where he's from, and where he's going to. Because by then he'll either be strong enough to answer or you'll be such good friends, it doesn't matter. That to me is the hotel stay, ultimately. So, so the idea of welcome, nurture, make them feel at home is at the heart of what we do. Mm-hmm. And obviously this last year has been so difficult for hotels when that is at the absolute heart and, and crux of, of what we're doing. And yet, sadly, they've had to close and there's been many job losses. So moving on to talk about independent hotels, what challenges do owner operators currently face and how can they overcome these? Great question. So, look, I have been the champion of the independent state side for the last decade. I literally have been the person who will publicly talk trash about the brands on stage with them in the audience and shamelessly because I I think the brands had a moment in time where their value proposition was tremendous Mm -hmm. because someone from the States going to Prague pre-internet didn't want to think about what they're doing and where they're staying and do research and all of that. They saw a Marriott and they knew that when they walked into that Marriott, it's going to be the same Marriott they stayed in in Washington, D.C. or Chicago. And similarly with restaurants, they saw a picket chain, TGI Fridays, Mm -hmm. US chain, and they went into it because they knew exactly what they were going to get. Fast forward to the internet, which has democratized that process. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be caught dead at a TGI Fridays in Prague. My friends would disown me for doing it, and I wouldn't dare post about it to get my social cred, street cred that I need. (laughs) And it's easy now because XYZ Brasserie in Prague I can find out what it is, what the food looks like, what the prices are, what people like me say about it, like it or not. Similarly with Marriott. So so the brand proposition of certainty, Mm. you're going to get the same thing, same, 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 got wiped out by the internet. Mm. And their brand promise became useless. It almost became a negative. So fast forward a bit they launched the soft brands and we independents all sort of laughed at them. Yeah, sure, nice try, you'll never do. The reality is, and this pandemic has really shown us the value of brands in today's world. Think about the pandemic alone. You, Eloise, own a hotel in London, small hotel. You have very little means. You've been crushed by the pandemic. And now you're trying to figure out how to make your guests feel comfortable that your hotel is clean and sanitary and up to standards. (laughs) You have to spend so much time and energy figuring out all those things. If you were part of a big company, they'll send you a 10-page report on which they spent millions Mm -hmm. studying and analyzing and partnering with the biggest names and clinics in the world. Done. Brands have changed in a way that because of their might and their size, it allows them to have the time and the money on R&D. Think about technology, right? Mm -hmm. How much they do versus what little hotels do. So... The short answer is I think the brand premise has changed meaningfully to make it easier for brands to operate under these environments. And while brands used to be soul crushing as it were, because there's nothing exciting there, the idea of soft brands have become far more accretive now, allowing you the freedom, the creative freedom on the front without having to reinvent the wheel in the back. So during this pandemic, small operators have had to deal a lot with what happens with sanitations, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Customer acquisition, which is the most important thing for us, A, acquisition, B, loyalty for return, has become so much more complicated and costly Mm -hmm. because the lack of demand in the market 
has created abundance of supply. So now how do you compete for your share of the market in a very shallow market that's got so much availability and not enough demand? So there isn't an easy answer for the indies today. And I'm not suggesting that every independent should go brand. That is definitely what I'm saying. And, and again, recently I published something on LinkedIn about the idea that we don't live in a binary world anymore. So why is it brand or indie? Like both could be right. So, so the idea of being able to come out of this hole as an indie operator, in addition to having to deal with your bank or your landlord and all these other complicated things, I really think fundamentally in a post-COVID world, travel becomes more meaningful. This is my wishful thinking. And meaningful not in a way that makes it heavy. I'm not suggesting that you have to go, you know, build homes for the homeless in different countries to feel control. But meaningful in the sense that Eloise, who used to plan her vacation exclusively around the Instagram shot that she had to get, regardless of her desire to be at said destination or not, that seems so shallow now. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be more desire to travel with meaning. And I think if you can capitalize on that movement as an indie from your marketing and focus on human interactions within your four walls, not the Instagrammable empty shallow moments, which will remain important, obviously, but at a different level, I think ultimately that's how you're going to be able to be successful. And, you know, this notion that we're all in this together, empty words again, you think about these indies that operate in really cool neighborhood, whether it's Shoreditch or East London or whatever, mm-hmm. like going around and saying, okay, flower shop and coffee shop and retail shop and bicycle shop, how can we together create a co-op of, of sorts that allows us to cross promote each other for mm-hmm. all of us benefiting. So that we're all in together, we're all in, in this together. If you truly live by those words, I think that's the path out. Otherwise, how do you compete? It's a very complicated thing. Mm-hmm. Which ties in quite neatly with um, another question that I've set aside here about whether independent boutique hotels can competitively stand up against branded properties when that travel does rebound? Uh, Short term, it's going to be harder, Mm. clearly, just by virtue of available resources, right? A big brand is going to go deploy, pick a number in terms of marketing kind of awareness. They also have that crack cocaine currency that they have, the points that they dole out that we, you know, Indies don't have. So I think fundamentally, short-term, it's going to be hard. But long-term, look, you do good work. You become a destination. Mm-hmm. You you create loyalty with those who come. If you do good work, like everything in life, things will happen. The question is, do you have the wherewithal to see it through during this really rough patch? Are you able to continue to survive? And it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, Every person who walks through your door, you want them treated like royalty so that they can come back. But you're also trying to watch the numbers and don't want to overdo it with service Mm -hmm. or services. So it really is a fine balance. So I think the answer is absolutely the independents will always have a home. But but, but what makes them special and what had made them special historically is their uniqueness. And if the uniqueness becomes ubiquitous because the brands are doing the same thing, right? Then it becomes really hard. So part of my new ventures mandate is this idea of everyone is chasing the next thing. I wanted to look at the other thing. Let everyone chase the next thing. I wanted to look for the other thing. So thoughtful, intentional, effortless. Those are a lot of words we use often in my shop to think about the experiences we offer. And, you know, it's, it's, I've, again, I love to talk. I published an article about hoteliers being lemmings 
you know, that Arctic rodent where if one jumps off a cliff, they all jump off the cliff. <laughs> it's become an industry of lemmings. And I think it's time for us to go back to our roots, our creativeness, and find ways to give our customers as indies a unique experience that is beyond the Instagram of the moment. And you just touched on something there, Bashar, about chasing the other thing. Um, where are you seeing the opportunities for investment? Actual investment, you mean dollars? I'll, I'll touch on it in a couple of ways. And I'm, my focus is mostly stateside, although I've talked to lots of folks, you know, Southern Europe, they're doing a lot of interesting work there and in MENA. Uh, the other thing for me, in terms of philosophically for a minute, it really is about we as an industry, have always gone to the same well. And every time we go, we expect to find different things. So we keep going to the same booking engine provider and we want them to do better. And we end up with the same product with a different face on it potentially. We're spending a lot of time looking at other industries. For example, retail. I'm a huge fan of retail as an industry, although it's been decimated also. I'm talking retail at large, online included. Mm -hmm. You think about Amazon for a minute. The minute I go and buy something, now they know I'm interested in, like, let's say I bought skis. So they know I'm interested in skiing. And all of a sudden, they're serving me very targeted, very specific content to my liking. We in our industry, hotels, know so much about you. Think about how much we know about you. We know when you go to bed, when you wake up, when you shower, how many times you use the bathroom, what TV channel you watch, what you put your thermostat on, what you order. Like, we know so much about you. We do nothing with it. Nothing. The best we can do is, oh, Eloise likes, you know, mint chocolate on her pillow. So stupid. <laughs> so the question is, how can hotels learn from retail about using data, big data, to truly customize the experience, remove the friction, give people what they want when they want it, utilizing technology again to remove friction. So we're looking a lot at retail. Like the example I use back to the booking engines, it drives me bananas when I'm booking a hotel when I go to the postal code field, zip code field on my phone, because that's how people do business on their phone. Nobody does it on their computers anymore. That I personally have to go and change the keyboard to numerical to enter the number. Why are you making me do that? You should change the keyboard for me. You think about Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I discover a brand. And with three clicks, I've not only discovered, I've interacted and bought from them with three clicks. You go to book at our hotel website. By click 72, you're still like screwing around and you're like, I'm done with this. So you look at Shopify in the retail world, literally mm -hmm. three clicks and you're done. So I'm saying, uh, I want to go to talk to Shopify and say, hey, why aren't you in the hotel business? Let's go mm -hmm. do something together. So again, looking at other industries for inspiration to help us not end up with the same results. Now, as for real estate opportunities, stateside at least, I think the uh, programs that the government has dished out, whether it's uh, the uh, uh, loans, forgivable loans, et cetera, and or now the ability for banks to get more time to not have to deal with problem loans has allowed everyone to kick the can down the road, to use an American term here, that allows them to ignore their problem, mm -hmm. sweep it under the carpet for now. So the bid ask between sellers and buyers is still big, big gap there. So we haven't really seen any interesting opportunities yet, but in terms of where, um, you know, like, for example, in the US, I love Denver. It's a great market, up and coming market. So there are cities that have irrevocably changed, partly because of COVID, but partly mm -hmm. because of the underlying fundamentals leading up to COVID. So southern 
southern states here, mm-hmm. you know, Denver, Nashville, Texas, Florida, certainly the mid-Atlantic, Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Europe, I haven't spent much time on, but I know Portugal has been a hotbed. Athens is, again, a mm-hmm. hotbed uh, for assets. London is obviously London, Paris. You know, those are always per- mm-hmm. cost prohibitive. Uh, and I think there's a movement towards these unique offerings now across the globe, as opposed to big boxes, big boxes and brands. So. Mm-hmm. And speaking of unique offerings or products, I'd like to close our conversation today by asking you, what does, how do you envision the hotel of tomorrow to look like? Excellent question. So clearly sustainability is here to stay. And COVID has destroyed all the good work that we've done to date because everything we touch now is disposable. So I think we need to quickly wean ourselves off of disposables, but really thinking in deeper sense about sustainability beyond just recycling and, you know, I, I won't clean your room for a day. It's building materials. It's COVID accelerated, not COVID cost. The idea of bringing the outdoors in, more fresh air, more sunlight, uh, really giving a different feel to a building than just being a box. And, you know, we're starting to see in the U.S. now high-rises being built of timber, a a sustainable material. So I think we'll see a lot more innovation in the materiality and uh, selection of materials for design and building that has sustainability in mind. The other important piece we'll see is we were forced to over-rely on technology as a result of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. This idea of, you know, checking on your phone, open the door on your phone, And my colleagues in the industry, rightfully so, suffering, have been utilizing technology to eliminate cost, which Mm -hmm. by definition means eliminating humans. And I take a different approach to it. I say, let's use technology to remove friction. So to the extent that at the reception desk, I needed three people before, uh, if I can do away with one because of technology, but really have the other two spend their time instead of give me your credit card and give me this and give me that, if all that can be done using technology, removing friction from the transaction, and circling back to what we started with, allowing those people that you're interacting with to now interact with you on a human level, not a transactional level, I think changes the narrative meaningfully. But yeah, technology-centric for sure. I think the idea of needing more space, no more sardine cans, regardless of the pandemic, packing people in. I think more personal space, more indoor-outdoor, technology-centric, sustainable material-focused, I I think that's probably the future. Fundamentally, by the way, our industry, when we talk about disruption, until humans don't need to sleep and don't need to shower because we've invented a way to eliminate that need, hotels are always, it's hard to disrupt the fact that you need to sleep, you need to shower, right? Mm. Outside of that, sure, food and all that stuff you can get innovative with, but you need you need shelter, you need food, you need water, you need, you know. So those basic needs will always remain there. Now the question again, back to what I said earlier, how can hotels become the fulfiller of your self-actualization more and more? Historically, hotels have been aspirational, but yeah. what's happened is our homes have become so spectacular in terms of their offering that we've lost the edge. Like remember, I used to go to a hotel because they had pay-per-view movies. We didn't have them at home. They had Wi-Fi. we didn't have at home. You could order room service. They had flat screen TVs, they had spas. Well, now in this on-demand world, you can have all of it at home and it's probably better. Your internet is faster, your TV connectivity is better. So hotels have almost become, you have to sacrifice to go to a hotel rather than make it be an aspirational experience. So I think we need to get back to that, making it aspirational by virtue of how we make you feel.
Well, thanks, Bashar. It's been great speaking with you. Delighted to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Boutique Hotel News podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with industry news, head on over to boutiquehotelnews.com and sign up to our twice-weekly newsletter. Thank you.